All right. We are now in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, continuing in our study of 1 John here at the Rock Community uh, Church. Uh, this is, our again, our men's Bible study, our men's breakfast Bible study that we do uh, here in Anaheim Hills, California. Uh, we meet every Wednesday morning at 6.45. If you'd like to know the location or any other information um, on, on our men's breakfast ministry, just go to our website, trcclive.org. We would love to have you. We'd love to meet you, love on you, fellowship with you, um, and, and uh, you know have breakfast with you and learn God's Word with you. So check out our website if you want any more information, um, and we hope to see you there. But we are going to be uh, continuing in 1 John now. So I am going to uh, read 1 John 2, 18 through 24. It's a, a rather lengthy section. Uh, it's not too long, but it's longer than, it's, it's a bigger chunk than we typically, um, than we typically go through in our, in our study. So let's go ahead and read our passage, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. It says, Children... It is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went from us, but they were really not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you... Let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Okay, let's dive in. Let's start unpacking this. I want to remind us that the Apostle John, in this this epistle, maybe not in his other epistles, but in this epistle, 1 John, his writings are not linear. Rather, they're circular. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you take a typical epistle written by the Apostle Paul, for example, or even Peter. Uh, they, they tended to write in a linear fashion. In other words, uh, they would just go from one argument to the next, and they would kind of progress along in, in, the, in these uh, arguments that get deeper and deeper, um, and it was easy to follow. Uh, what I mean by uh, when I say that John... Um, John, his epistle is circular in nature. What I mean by that is that he, he goes through a series of points and then he circles back and goes through those same points again. And so he'll make uh, three or four, I'm sorry, four uh, circles in this epistle where he goes back to these same topics throughout his epistle. And so here we are coming back to the point he made back in chapter 1, which is that of sound doctrine. If you recall, in chapter 1, uh, he, you know, he, he establishes himself as someone who 
was with Jesus, who, who knew him, heard him, saw him with his own eyes, touched him, uh, and that, that, uh, that, these, that he is of the apostleship that uh, had direct contact with Jesus. And so the things that they say, the things that the apostles say about Jesus is true. Because they were with him. They, they saw him. They touched him. And, and then he talks about how God is light. He talks about sin. And we, we need to have a proper uh, understanding of sin and that we are sinners. And then he goes into Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. Jesus being our advocate. And so all these things about sound doctrine, uh, he gets a little deeper in, in this passage here. Right? We're talking about sound doctrine once again. And now we're, we're talking about antichrists or or the the antichrists that he refers to he's talking about the antichrist and and how uh, like in verse 22 who is the liar but the one who denies that jesus is the christ this is the antichrist the one who denies the father and the son he's talking about antichrists plural antichrists now there are many, he talks about many antichrists. There are antichrists, plural. Even now, many antichrists have appeared, he says in verse 18. And this isn't just one antichrist. It's not the antichrist that he, uh, that John actually refers to in the book of Revelation or that Daniel refers to in the Old Testament. But this is, he's talking about many antichrists. Many antichrists, people that deny the Father and the son that is an antichrist anything or anyone who is antichrist anyone who denies the deity of christ anyone who denies the humanity of christ or anyone who defines christ in any way apart from what jesus said about himself in the scriptures that is an antichrist Anyone who has a false view or, or who, who, who gives a false view of the Jesus Christ of the Bible, that is an antichrist. If their version of who Jesus is differs in any way from what, it, what the Bible says about Jesus, and if it differs in any way from what Jesus said about himself— I suppose those two statements are synonymous, but if the, if those if that's the case, then that person is an antichrist. Anyone who's teaching you something that goes against the teachings of Christ is an antichrist, by definition. There's no middle ground here. You're either pro-Christ or you're antichrist. No middle ground, no straddling the fence. Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, chapter 12, verse 30, he said, He who is not with me is against me. Against me. So we identify an antichrist if they deny the true Christ, the, the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And we also see in... in uh, Verse 19, if they depart from the faith, if they depart 
from the truth. Let's read verse 19 again. Well, let me back up. Let me, Manny, let me, uh, go, let me read verse 18 first. It says, Children, it is the last hour, and just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, that would be the Antichrist referred to in the book of Revelation, just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From, from this we know it is the last hour. And then he says, They, referring to these Antichrists, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Antichrists depart from the truth. They depart from the faith. A true believer will not depart. Anyone who is truly saved, anyone who is truly uh, genuinely a, a Christian, a follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. They've repented. They put their faith and trust in Jesus and his work on the cross. Anyone who has genuinely done that will not, will never depart from the faith. The Bible talks about how Jesus uh, seals us and he'll never let us go. If we are truly saved, we will never depart. And it says here, you know, in verse 19, If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. That's strong language, you guys. I, I just want to kind of pause here. I'm going to go off my notes a little bit, but that's strong language that, that, that basically says that people that leave the faith were never truly believers to begin with. And I, that's kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around, at least it is for me sometimes, but that's what the Bible says. Anyone who departs from the faith, they were not really a Christian to begin with. There's some that would say that, well, if, if you depart from the faith, you, you might have been saved and, and then you lost your salvation. They would say that if that if that person had had died when they were saved, they would have gone to heaven. But now that they've departed from the faith, if they die now, they won't go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are sealed. We we will not depart. It's the perseverance of the saints. If they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. I I remember when I first got saved many years ago, well, not many years ago, but a few years ago, um, uh, one of the directors in a, in a major nationwide ministry um, left the faith. And it had sent shockwaves in the Christian world, and I was new to that, that Christian world. I, I, I really didn't even know what was going on as far as the Christian you know, culture, but I had heard that this guy, this uh, heavy hitter in Christian evangelism, had left the faith and he was denouncing Christ. He was, you know, renouncing his faith and, and, and uh, saying that he he doesn't believe anymore. And then people were saying at the time that he, he's not saved. He lost his salvation. And they were, you know, they, I would just imagine that they were thinking, well, this guy had to be saved. He was a, a heavy hitter 
This guy had major influence throughout the country, throughout the world, really. Uh, did a lot of work in the ministry of evangelism for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. and uh, He had to have been saved, right? I just imagine that this, this is kind of where a lot of people, what they were thinking. And, um, but the reality is, no, even, even that guy who, who ended up leaving the faith, denouncing, uh, I'm sorry, renouncing his faith and, and renouncing Christ and the gospel as truth. He wasn't a believer ever, no matter how much work he did for the ministry. They went out, they went out from us so that it would be shown that they are not all of us. So, that's an antichrist. They deny the truth, the true Christ. They did. They deny who Jesus is according to the Bible, and they don't remain in the faith. Typically, you know, there are some who who go to their grave uh, proclaiming the name of Christ, but they maybe not. They they might not have been saved, and um, but but there are those who depart from the faith, and if they do depart from the faith, they were never of us. They are what the Bible and the Apostle John here refers to as Antichrist. So that's an Antichrist. But how do we identify a pro-Christ, a, a true Christian? How do we know if someone's a true Christian, right? Nowadays, when you tell people in the world that you're a Christian, they don't even know what that means, Right? What does that mean, you're a Christian? Okay, so you go to church. What what else? What does that mean? You know, there's so many different theologies, uh, doctrines, you know, um, denominations who claim to be Christian, and and they just simply don't teach the gospel. They, They have a different version of the gospel. The watching world does not see that there is any single theological position or any single theological stance that all Christians stand on. There just isn't. Even when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to who Jesus is, there's no single stance. You know, I, I bet if you took a, a survey of 10 different Christians and they, and they, uh, they ask, you know, give, give me... Get, what is the gospel? Tell me what the gospel is in 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 one minute or less. If you ask ten Christians that question, I, I think you'd probably get at least five different answers, maybe even ten different answers. The, the watching world does not know what we stand for. There's no single body of truth that that the world would would look at and say, "Well, that's the Christian position." Because the, 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 the evangelical culture is just so uh, fractured as far as doctrine. Uh, the, the world doesn't even know what we believe anymore. There's so many non-Christian churches that claim to be Christian. And they're just not. Their doctrine is not the fundamental biblical Christian doctrine. And you can even apply this to, you know, 
intellectual liberalism, uh, Christian universities in many cases, um, certain regions, right? We know of the Bible Belt. The world thinks that everyone who lives in the Bible Belt is a Christian, or at least most of them are. I mean, it's the Bible Belt, you know? Some people think, well, this is a Christian country. The United States of America is a Christian country, so we must be a Christian. I was born in the United States. I was raised here. I must be a Christian. This is a Christian country. But does that mean you're a Christian just because you were born in this country? Just because you were born in the Bible Belt? Just because you go to a a church that has the name Christ in it? So how then do we identify a true Christian? Well, a true Christian believes in and proclaims the true Christ. A true Christian believes in and proclaims the true Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible. If there's any, uh, anything in their belief system about Jesus that is not in the Bible or that contradicts what the Bible says about Jesus, that's not a true Christian. That's not a genuine believer because they have the wrong Jesus. It has to be the Jesus of the Bible. And 1 John goes through some of the things that the Bible says about Jesus, right? We've already talked about some of these things, that Jesus is our advocate. He's the propitiation for our sins. That he was a living, breathing human being, but that he's also 100% God, 100% man, 100% God. If you read through the rest of the Bible, you'll see that he was, he's an uncreated being, right? First John 1, I'm sorry, John 1, 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning, and He is God. Jesus led a sinless life, right? Jesus came to this earth as a man, fully, you know, uh, he was he was uh, exposed to sin, exposed to the temptation to sin, especially when he was out in the wilderness and the devil uh, tempted him. But Jesus did not sin. He was a sinless human being who died and suffered and died for the sins of the world and, and so that those who would believe would be saved. So a true Christian, number one, believes in and proclaims the true Christ. And the other thing they do is they don't depart. They don't depart. Remember again, verse 19, if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. They don't depart from the truth. They remain. They run the race. They, they finish the race. They remain in the truth, no matter what. In verse 20, Another way we identify a true Christian, verse 20 says, they have been anointed by God. We've been anointed by God. Did you know that? We've been anointed from the Holy One. Uh, And you know all. I'm sorry, it says, and you all know. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. So, uh, we've been anointed from, we have an anointing from the Holy One. That, That refers to the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. Remember when Jesus uh, was about to ascend or about to go to the cross and he was 
telling his disciples that he was going to be leaving and then he was going to ascend. He was going to die on the cross and then ascend to heaven after he uh, was resurrected from the dead. Um, But he was going to send the Holy Spirit, he says. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, right, after he leaves. He says, it's good for you that I leave, otherwise I wouldn't be sending the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he says that you have an anointing from the Holy One. And he's almost as if he's saying, uh, you know, the false teachers, you have an, an anointing too, but it's not from the Holy One. Right? He's talking about Antichrist here. And he says that, that true believers have an anointing from the Holy One. And the implication there is that false teachers, your anointing, you have an anointing, and that anointing is not from the Holy One. The Holy One, right? You have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy One is Jesus Christ. Right? Luke 4.34. This is a... This is a, a demon who, can, who is confronted by Jesus. And the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demon recognized who Jesus is, the Holy One of God. In Acts 3.14, Peter refers to Jesus as the Holy and Righteous One. Another way uh, you can identify a true Christian is that they are not deceived. Christians are not deceived. And this goes to the second uh, section, the second half of that verse 20 that I just read. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. What does that mean? You all know. Well, the New King James Version translates it by saying, you know all things. The literal translation, just based on what I've, I've studied and read, the, the, I guess the literal translation would be, you know all. You know all. So I, I'm not sure why it was translated, you all know, uh, in, the, in, in the New American Standard, but uh, you know all seems to be the literal translation, and the New King James would probably be a closer translation when it says, you know all things. What he's saying is, you know everything there is to know in order to be saved. You have all the information you need. For you to uh, understand and, and, and to, to be saved, for, for God to save you, there has to be some intellectual understanding. And to have that intellectual understanding, you have all the information you need. You know all things. You know all. Now, you may not know some of the deeper theologies. You may know them. You, you might know those deeper theologies, but maybe you don't. Then you may not know some of what the Bible says about how you're supposed to behave. Maybe you may not know yet what the Bible says about how you're supposed to think or live your life. I mean, you might know those things, but maybe you don't know them yet. Maybe you just got saved and you don't know yet how, how, what the Bible says about our about our deeds and about our behavior and about how we're to interact with other people. But you know, you have the information you need for salvation. I remember when I first got saved, right? I was saved. I was a new creation. My heart was being transformed. But there were so many things that I just didn't know yet as far as how I was supposed to act. I just didn't know. 
I, I didn't think that I knew everything. I knew there was, I had a lot to learn, but I, there was so much that I didn't know. And so my behavior over the next few months, years, just changed radically as I learned more and more about what, what the Lord was commanding, what he expected of me. But as far as salvation, I knew everything I needed to know. He says, you know it all. You know all things. You know, uh, you all know. And then he says in verse 21, in verse 21, he's basically, basically saying, you don't need any more truth. He says, in, he says in verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And no lie is of the truth. You don't need any more truth. You have everything you need for salvation. Again, there's a lot more to know once you're saved as far as who God is, His holiness, His commands, right? How we're supposed to treat our spouses, how we're supposed to raise our children, how we're supposed to interact with people at work, how we're supposed to do business, how we're supposed to evangelize, share the gospel, all these things. There's many, many more things, but that's just a, a sample of the things that God uh, commands of us, expects of us. Those things we still need to learn. But as far as salvation, we have all the information we need. And we, we don't need to know uh, things, extra biblical things about Jesus that may or may not even be true. Most of the time they're not. Someone comes along and tells me, well, I don't know if Jesus died on the cross. Here, let's, let's take a look at these writings. These writings that say Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Jesus actually didn't resurrect. Those are worth taking a look at. Why don't, you t- why don't we take a look at those and, and, and get a little different perspective on Jesus? No. No, we don't need to do that. We, need, we have all the truth we need. And so when someone comes knocking on your door and, and wants to give you a different version of Jesus Christ, you don't need to entertain their their uh, their opinion on Jesus or, or what their doctrine is. Someone comes to your door with a little black name tag, maybe, and a bike. You don't have to hear what they have to say. And to their credit, they're not going to force it on you, usually. Um, but... You don't have to hear what they have to say. What I would do, you don't have to do this, but this, if you're not comfortable, but what I would do is tell them about the truth of Jesus. Tell them who Jesus is. When, when, when someone is telling you that you need to do good works, you need to do some other act, perform additional works in order to be saved. It's not grace alone, but there's works involved. If, if someone's coming from a, a, a church or an organization that says that you have to do additional works in order to be saved, you don't have to entertain their thoughts. John says, you have the truth. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the anointing from the Holy One. Stick with the truth. Stick with the truth. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, what does... Fi- what fellowship does light have with darkness? It's a rhetorical question, and the answer is nothing. It doesn't have fellowship with, with one another. 
we don't have fellowship with people that have false doctrine. We can be their friends. I have many Mormon friends. I have many friends who have a false uh, idea of what the gospel is. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's, it's heresy, and it, it's a damning heresy. I am friends with them, and I socialize with them. But I don't have fellowship with them. That's impossible. We, we can't have fellowship. Fellowship is, is coming together and loving on one another under the umbrella of biblical truth. And if someone doesn't have biblical truth, that's, you can't have fellowship with them. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And so John, the Apostle John, wrote this epistle, the First John, about 40 years after these people who would have been reading or listening to this epistle, about 40 years after they heard the gospel. That's when John wrote this. And so he says, you know, I know you've been exposed to a lot of things. I know you've been exposed to a lot of, you know, heresies, human wisdom. He's saying, Stick with the truth. Stick with the gospel. You don't need that human wisdom. You don't need those heresies. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, and we're not talking about, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe science, right? I mean, true science, not, not uh, a lot of the science or so-called science that we see today. But, you know, true science, if it can be proved, you know, a lot of times it, it ends up lining up with what the Bible says anyway, but... Uh, as far as human wisdom, we're talking about philosophies. We're talking about, you know, um, you, you know, uh, ideas where there's actually no proof behind it. They're just kind of theories, but they're they're presented as truth, when when in reality they're just theories, educated guesses. It says stick with the truth. Stick with the gospel. Stick with what John says. Stick with what those of us who walked with Jesus and saw him with our own eyes and touched him and knew him personally. Stick with the truth that, with that truth that we have been dying for and suffering for. He's saying stick with the gospel. We don't need to engage these arguments from people who are trying to give us a false Jesus. We just need to proclaim the gospel. There's divine power behind the gospel. There's the power of the Holy Spirit behind the gospel. Stick with the truth. You remember Psalm 1, the very first Psalm in the book of Psalms. It says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. What about Galatians 1.8? Even if we, this is Paul saying this, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Verse 9, he repeats it. He says, I say again, if a man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. We have the truth. We know all that we need to know for salvation. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us. We don't need any other gospel. And Paul's saying, if we, if me, if we, any of the apostles or an angel from heaven even, is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, 
he is to be accursed. That person is to be accursed. That's harsh language. We have the truth. We have the Holy Spirit and we will not depart. Right? True Christians continue in the faith. True believers endure in the faith. Firmly and steadfastly. And so if someone uh, preaches a gospel contrary to what the apostles have preached, that person is to be accursed. John 8.31 says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So there you have it. That's the contrast, right? Antichrists preach a different Christ than what the Bible says. They depart. And Christians preach the biblical Christ. And they remain in the faith. They endure in the faith. They're steadfast. And there's no middle ground. You're one or the other. Jesus said, if you're either for me or against me. And so, in th- th- this section really, it's, it's, it's kind of going deeper in this idea of, of sound doctrine, right? We've talked about how John spirals back and forth uh, going through these same arguments over and over again. And so this gets a little deeper, right? Sound doctrine. You either have sound doctrine and you are with Christ, you are for Christ, you are saved, or you have false doctrine and you are an anti-Christ. And there's no middle ground. So that's 1 John 2, 18 through 24. We will pick up next time in verse 25 and go to the end of the chapter. I love you all, and I'll see you next time.